Welcome to another episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Today, we are going to be diving in and talking about teaming agreements. This is a really popular topic, especially when you are trying to navigate this for the first time. There's so many things that come up that are confusing that are suggested in the market that probably aren't realistic. There's a handful of things that you need to focus on, whether you are a prime or a sub, that will change your focus. In this episode, we are going to focus on a couple of things. I'm going to break down the prime sub categories where you need to focus, but I'm also going to talk about who you should be teaming with in a couple other areas. So let's start with that. Let's jump in and talk about it. Who should you be teaming with? My bottom line answer on this is great companies that are hungry. When you're talking to people, it's really obvious who is hungry and wants to work with you versus the people that are just mildly interested. The ones that want to have meetings with you, want to work with you, those are typically companies that are hungry, right? So how do you choose the ones that are great? Well, it's easy to go look up their past performance, whether it's USA Spending or Sam.gov. You can go in there and take a look at them and see, are they actually winning things? I don't recommend spending a ton of time with companies that haven't won anything. They can be part of your roadmap, but they can't be the only thing in your roadmap. A lot of times what I see is companies will get distracted by those companies that haven't won anything. They're brand new in the business and they're similar to yourself, right? They're just getting started. They're learning GovCon and they have all this time on their hands. That type of company is often a distraction. You've got to be careful about not spending too much time with those folks. What you want to team with are companies that have a little bit of past performance or a lot, either way, and they have some commercial work that they've done, but they are busy. They don't have hours to spend with you because they are actually working on contracts. Again, whether it's commercial or government, they're actually busy doing the work. Overall, what we recommend is a teaming stable. You don't just want companies that are opposite of your statuses. So let's say you're a small business and you're a WSB. You don't want to say, well, I want to ignore WSBs and get every other status. No, you need some WSBs because guess what will come up? You will win a contract and you may run into, like I see all the time, work share issues where you're like, man, we're at like 47, 48% of the work. We really need somebody to partner with us or we need another FTE somewhere and you're struggling to do it. But if you're partnering with other WSBs, that will contribute to your work share. So you don't want to ignore companies with your same status. You want one or two partners that have your same status. And then you want two or three other partners in every other status. When I say every other status, it's eventually we're trying to create a teaming stable of eight to 10, maybe 12 companies. And so you're wanting two large primes. You're wanting one or two hub zone, one or two WSB, one or two 8A. Take the pick, right? You want a couple of from every little status that's out there so that you can have a really good balanced teaming stable to work with. So any contract that you see that pops up at your agency, you can chase it because you've got somebody that can either prime it for you and bring you in as a sub, or you can leverage their status for one reason or another. So you want to build up a, a teaming stable of statuses. There's a great video on this in Federal Access. If you're not already a member, I highly recommend you jump in Federal Access. You can go to federal-access.com forward slash game changers, and you can sign up for either a free account or get a discount on your first membership at the corporate level there. There's a great video in there called how to find teaming partners for subcontracting work. It's about a nine minute video, walks you through how to run a report every single month to see who's been awarded contracts for the work that you do. So you can actually chase those particular teaming partners. So go check out that video. 
Did you know we have our own government contracting community? It's called Federal Access. And inside Federal Access, you have all the tools, tips, strategies, documents, templates, everything you're ever going to need to be a government contractor. But you also get brought into our ecosystem. You get into our private LinkedIn group and you get into our live events and all that kind of thing when you become a member of Federal Access. To learn more, go to federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's get back into this episode. The next thing that you want to think about is what should your teaming pipeline look like? If you're just getting started in this business, initially your teaming pipeline should look like this. It should be about 25 to 30% of the opportunities you put in your pipeline are things that you are going to prime. So just 25, 30%. And initially those opportunities are likely under 250K, under the simplified acquisition threshold. That is simply because there's less past performance requirement. Past performance is not going to be near an issue on those 250K opportunities. The other 70% of your pipeline are opportunities where you're going to be the sub. You're going to have a prime. They're going to sub the work to you. Why is this? The main reason is if you're just getting started, you're not going to have a lot of past performance. If any, you're going to need to build that past performance by subbing. You're not going to spend your entire career as a sub, however you could. If you wanted to, you could. I've got plenty of clients that have been in this business 15, 20 years. They almost exclusively sub and they make a lot of money doing it. So you could do that. Initially, you are looking at a ratio where it's 25 to 30% where you're the prime and about 70% where you're the sub. As you grow, that's going to start to flip. So at some point, it'll be 50-50. And then at some point, it'll be 70% where you're now the prime on contracts and 30% where you're the sub. It starts out with you the other way where you're mostly the sub and then turns out later where you're mostly the prime. That process takes one and a half to two years to go from mostly being a sub to mostly being a prime. But I always stress, regardless of your size, it always makes sense to have a healthy sub pipeline where you are working with other companies. Because if you put together the right teaming stable, you will actually create a sales engine that brings opportunities to you through your subs, through people that want to work with you. And sometimes they're going to say, hey, we want to prime this. Sometimes they're going to say, hey, you should prime this. But the thing is, when you're working with companies, you're building good team pass performance. That's how you work yourself into a situation where you're building that pipeline externally through their resources. And the great thing about teaming is when you find three, four, five, six good teaming partners, you also have people that not only know you, they know how to put proposals together for you, pricing with you, all that kind of good stuff. And so now you're leveraging your resources in a way where you can respond to more than four or five proposals in a month. You may be able to respond to 12 because you have a really good teaming stable. Keep that in mind as you are growing. You always want to build up that teaming stable so you can leverage their resources and grow your company. Let's talk about what should be in those teaming agreements. We're going to talk about this from two perspectives. We're going to talk about it as one as you as the prime and the second one as you as the sub. There's about five areas that I want to focus on with you as the prime. These are not everything that should be in your teaming agreement. By all means, get a GovCon attorney. If you need one, reach out to us. We'll recommend somebody. Get somebody to create that baseline agreement for you. But what I want to talk about are five areas that I feel are a little overlooked. The first area is more of a broad picture of the agreement. I think too many people try to get really specific when they're the prime. 
it benefits you to be a little vague. When you're the prime, you want to be a little vague because you want wiggle room. You want wiggle room in case something changes. And so being a little vague versus making a lot of commitments in your agreement is a smart way to go. So when you're thinking through it, don't try to get specific in every area of the agreement. That's number one. Number two, don't make promises you can't keep. One of the biggest promises that I see that people try to put into a prime agreement is the work share percentages, or we call them swim lanes or things like that. They try to do that because they want to request it on the sub side. And, and we're going to talk about the sub side here in a minute. And that's legitimate. But as the prime, if you're in control, you should not be making promises you can't keep. And one of the challenges is something I mentioned earlier. Let's say you're working on a contract and you are looking at the work share percentages and you're like, wow, we're only at like 46, 47. And we need to be at 51 because our subs are not of the same status of us. And let's say it's an SDVOSB contract and you're working with two or three companies that aren't veteran owned. Well, guess what? You're out of compliance. And so if you've made a commitment that they are going to get, no matter what, a certain amount of FTEs or a certain work share percentage or something like that, and you're now out of whack, you're not only out of compliance with the government, you're out of compliance with your agreement. So it behooves you on the prime side to not make promises you can't keep. You don't want to promise certain things like work share when you know you can't do it. So the third thing is you want to try and control the conversation. You want to have something in there that says, hey, all communication about this contract needs to flow through your company. We don't want one of your subs talking to the government about the contract and making promises that you now have to keep. You don't want that. You want to be included. Now, I'm not saying you can't let your subs talk to the government, but when it's related to that contract, you need to be brought in on every single conversation. Again, these things are often overlooked and you'll wind up with a sub who's making commitments on behalf of the team that you don't even know about. And now the government's mad because you haven't fulfilled something that you didn't even know you promised. So be very careful about that. The next one is exclusivity for that specific opportunity. I don't ever ask teaming partners to give me exclusivity with the client, like as a whole or in that area or anything like that. It's that opportunity. I just want to know that if I'm teaming with you, you're not on three other teams. This is your only team. That's just the way it is. That needs to be a focus for you. And then the last piece is you need to have sole discretion and authority to make all decisions relating to the performance of the contract, the staffing, subcontracting, all of that kind of stuff. You don't want to leave it to chance that there's something that you don't have control over. Because again, a lot of times people will get so specific in these agreements that they work themselves in a corner. Let's say something changes with the customer and you now have to fire employees and some of those are your subs. You now have to change direction or the budget just got cut and you've got to downsize by 30% or whatever it may be. You need to have sole discretion on how that happens on the contract. That's as simple as it is. So those were the main five areas for you as a prime. Now, they're a little bit counter the, to that as you as a sub. And the first one is trying to be as specific as you can as a sub. You are going to try and request specific task areas or swim lanes. But I always recommend being realistic for that. So instead of saying, well, we want 49% of the work, don't ask for 49% of the work. Maybe you ask for 100% of a certain task area or 80% of the FTEs in one task area 
And that equates to maybe 20% of the contract. But now you're guaranteeing yourself something that is more specific in an area versus across the whole contract. And you don't find yourself in a situation where your teaming partner is now asking you to staff things that are outside of your box. So let's say you're a cybersecurity company and they've given you 20% of the contract or 30% of the contract and they've staffed most of the cybersecurity and they're like, hey, this also had lawn care in it or I'm just making this up, right? But it had something in it that is not related to your business. And they're like, hey, can you provide three FTEs that are in lawn care? You're like, no. They're like, well, you know, you've got to, you know, do 20% of the contract. Why can't you do that? You don't want to do that type of thing. I know that's an excessive example, but I've actually seen that type of thing where people come in and they're targeting a certain skill for, let's say, the medical industry and its security or training or certain software systems or SharePoint or something like that. And now the partner is saying, hey, we've really handled most of that, but there's this, this obscure thing that we need you to handle. And they're like, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I don't have the skills to do that. You don't want to be backed in a corner like that. It behooves you to be as specific as you can negotiate as a sub. Now understand going into this as a sub, a lot of times you don't have a ton of control. You just don't. The prime is going to call most of the shots on this. And when you have the prime calling most of the shots, you're not going to have a ton of flexibility in that teaming agreement. Ask for what you can get as close to the swim lanes, the task areas as you can, but just know going in here are a handful of things you want to negotiate. There's three more that I want to talk about. The next one is the termination for convenience. There's often a line in the agreement that the prime can terminate the contract for convenience based on the government having that same capability. What I've found is sometimes a prime will use that just because they want to cut you out and they want to staff those positions. So think about it like this. Let's say there's a contract. It originally has 30 FTEs and when the government starts staffing, they say, you know, this was up to 30 FTEs, but right now we only need about five. So who's getting cut? The teaming partner's getting cut, right? You're getting cut right out of the gate. And even if they bring it up to 10, they're still going to say, you know, this is 10 and we were supposed to have 30. We had plenty of room. Now we don't. And they may try to terminate your contract. So that's something they could do. I've seen other situations where the prime was not performing well, even though the sub was, and it was a 45 FTE contract and they terminated 15 of the positions. What the government wanted was that they were like, Hey, there's these 15 positions that we want to terminate. It was actually the prime. <laughs> and so the prime was like, Oh, we're going to cut those out on the sub side. We're just going to hire new people to fill those slots because they didn't like those people. And so they're wanting to terminate the contract with their sub because they want those things. Maybe they're not performing the work and now they're blaming it on you and they're trying to cut you out of the contract. I've seen that as well, where the prime is not managing the contract properly. The sub's doing all the work and the government gets mad and the government wants the sub, but the prime says, you know what? We're just going to cut these guys because it's our contract. Just the way it is, right? And they fire them. You want to look at that termination for convenience clause that's most likely going to be in your contract and make sure that is only applies if the government cancels the contract. It's not termination for convenience to the prime. The prime can't just go, oh, well, it's convenient for us to terminate you and we will. So again, if you can negotiate that, make sure that language only allows if the government is terminating it. Another one is you want to be allowed to meet with the customer. It's not to necessarily talk about the contract, but you want to be able to talk to that customer about other opportunities. 
when you're going in this, say, look, as a sub going in this, it behooves you, the prime, to let us talk to the government and uncover other opportunities. We've got a really good business development strategy we use where we get in there, we do meetings with them, we uncover opportunities, and we're going to bring those back to you. Right? We're going to bring that back to you. And maybe we're going to be the prime on those. Maybe we'll be the sub on those. But we need to keep uncovering opportunities. And you need to allow us to meet with the customer. That's a sticky point. A lot of times, a prime is going to say no to that. Even like I said earlier, you want to be controlling the conversation. But as a prime, I don't want to control it so much that they don't uncover new opportunities. My final one that I want to talk about is a really simple one. It's payment terms. Most of the time, the way this works, the government pays the prime. The prime pays the sub. This is another area where it helps if you're talking to the customer. I can't tell you how often I'm talking with one of my clients and they say, look, I'm talking to the customer. The customer says they've paid the prime, the prime saying they haven't received the money. This has happened to me before. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody who's trying to hold onto the cash and says, oh, we haven't got paid yet. We haven't got paid. Oh, we're wait. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes it's as innocent as they haven't reconciled their invoices or there's, you know, one hand's not talking to the other hand within the team and they don't know they've gotten paid. But a lot of times it's purposeful. You need to be very clear. The customer pays you and we get paid. If the customer is late, that should trigger our ability to be able to talk to the customer about this. You don't want to be left in a situation where somebody's playing games with you and you're not getting paid. These are just a handful of areas on the prime side and on the sub side that you should be looking at your agreement. This is another reason why it's so important to have the right GovCon attorneys in your back pocket so you can bring them in and say, hey, help me negotiate a stronger position as a prime, a stronger position as a sub. Help me make sure I'm not making promises I can't keep and that sort of thing. And sometimes it may be where you use a foundational teaming agreement that you have and then make tweaks to it, most likely, each and every round, depending on the type of contract and who it's with. With that, if you have any questions, you know how to reach me. I'll see you next episode. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.